Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Like, how many have had great vacations already this summer? Anybody had great vacations? How many are, like, still going on vacation? How many are, like, I don't even know what vacation is? I don't know. Okay, go on vacation. Um, you get, like, you know, three weeks of vacation in Minnesota, so, or three weeks of summer. Um, one of the things that I like to do is I love traveling with my family. We budget that. We set that aside. That's very important to us. Uh, and, and one of the places that we got to go to here a few years ago... Uh, was California. And while we were in California, I told my kids and my family, I said, there's one place that daddy wants to go to. It wasn't Disneyland. How many, how many dads out there, when you go on a, a trip with your family, you know most of it's not for you, but on occasion you want to do like one thing you really like? Like I nerd out at NASA, man, down in Florida, Cape Canaveral. Come on, man, that's, that's fun stuff. And uh, where, where I nerded out though next was right here. Who knows where this is? Some of you know this too well. You must have relatives. Um, and, and so this is Alcatraz, or The Rock, if you will. Great movie by uh, Sean Connery and, and Nicolas Cage a long time ago. I'm old. And uh, on, on this rock is this incredible prison that's no longer, you know, it's no longer open. It's close to the public. And so has anyone else visited here before? Okay, a few of you. Yeah, isn't that just crazy? Like... You feel like you are in prison when you get on this. And so they have a headset tour. They give you these headsets and we start walking around and, and they even put you in the cells and they close the, the bars and I'm going, this is awful. And you're looking at all the stories. But then there's the cool stories of the criminals that tried to escape that they haven't found the bodies. And I'm like, oh, conspiracy. Are they still around? And they haven't found some of their money. And I'm like, you know, just digging into the history. I'm just nerdy, man. I love it. And so I'm looking at all of this, but I'm looking at at this and these people mind you on this island on the rock they all were imprisoned to the point where to this day we have no historical record of anyone ever escaping or ever making it to the mainland swimming across the currents that are right there and and we have no record of that and i believe that some of you today are trapped I believe that some of us, within our own Christian mindset, within the way we interpret Scripture, within the way we look at things, within the way that we, we have come to learn the Bible, with the way that we even represent and think of God, that we're in some kind of jail because we only think of Him in certain terms because of our experiences, because of our past, because of the way that we've been brought up, that we don't see God in His fullness. And so we can't even experience Him because we're trapped in this prison going, even if I get out of that, you can put that back up, even if I get out of that prison, where am I going to go? Even if, I, even if I get my mind right, even if I get mentally healthy and I'm ready to go, well, now what do I do? And it looks like a lost cause. Like, well, why even bother? Why even do that? And I think what happens when we get into this legalistic mindset of church or of, you know, different things, you know, should you watch Forrest Gump or not, or, or whatever, all of these things start eating away at your relationship with God and they steal your joy. Well, I want today for God to replace and restore some of that joy that has been stolen from you, okay? Come on. Some of us have built that jail around ourselves from certain beliefs. And we do not allow ourselves to have the freedom in which Christ died for. Christ died to set you free. Not for you to be in prison. Just a a real heartfelt story for myself here is uh, when Heather and I got married, we got married July 1st, 2000. And uh, we 
we ended up getting pregnant pretty quick. And um, in February of 2001, uh, we learned that uh, she started spotting. And uh, if you don't know what that is, she started bleeding. And so we had to go into Mercy. We went into Mercy and, and they looked at it and said, uh, basically, you're going to miscarry. Take this pill and just make it happen quick. And I'm like, what? And, and so we prayed about it and we, we continued to pray. And our pastor at the time came in and, and he prayed for us. And we continued just to ask God for his favor and said, we, we want this to happen. And, and eventually, about eight weeks, our, our baby passed. And, uh, you know, we, we miscarried. And it was like one of the worst things that we had ever gone through. We didn't know other people had gone through it. We were newly married. I didn't understand. Like many people have gone through a miscarriage. Many people came to, to be a blessing and, and uh, just to really hold our hands through this process and to walk with us during this. Here's the part that most people don't know, and I've never shared this um, ever really from the pulpit, is at that time, and even to this day, this is the jail Chris struggles with is up to that point, I had been struggling with purity in my life. And I look at that, you can ask me more when I'm off stage, because this is not Pastor Chris confession time up up on the pulpit, okay? I'm just being real with you, is the fact that at that time, I believe from sinful choices I had made during my life, this was my prison, that God took my child. That was my belief. Now, some of you are shaking your head and going, I can't believe our pastor would even believe that. But you have to understand, I was so wrapped up into that, that I thought I had basically screwed God over, and so God was getting back at me. Some of you believe that. Some of you believe that God's here to get back at you, or God's here to to take something from you, or or you're not living the dream that God has for you because you believe He's mad at you, or you've done something to upset Him. And and I want you to realize that there's a freedom within this. We're going to look at some practical ways. But that's something that I believe now God has given me freedom over. Not perfectly, because I still go back to that jail because it's comfy and I know it. And I have to walk outside of that prison, walk outside of that jail, walk outside of my own Alcatraz and go, I can swim, I can do this because God's holding me. I've got it. And I need to stop blaming Him and realize that He loved me and my wife through this entire process. That is the God in whom we serve. And I have to constantly remind myself. If I have to constantly remind myself of that, you do too. That's the God in whom we serve. So let me ask you, uh, lighten it up here for a little bit, some questions. And you don't, you don't have to shout it out. You can if you want. Uh, but here we go. Is it right or wrong to watch rated R movies? Is it right or wrong to wear holy jeans? Is it right or wrong to wear holy jeans? How short is too short for shorts? Is it right or wrong to eat pork? I had ribs last night. (laughs) Is it right or wrong to watch Disney? Harry Potter? Lord of the Rings? Spongebob? Is it right or wrong to be a Democrat? Carefully response here, people. (laughs) In the same fairness, is it right or wrong to be a Republican? Maybe you have a question like that. Maybe you have a random question. And, and, and I think oftentimes what we do is we judge the person who answered differently than how we would answer. We judge them. We're like, why in the world? They're so stupid. Look what they would do. Why would they see that? Why would they watch that? Why would they vote that? I can't believe they would wear that. Oh my gosh, do you know what they just saw? And we go down this. And all we're doing is we're heaping judgment on ourselves. We're just like, more prison, more prison, more prison. Yay! It's so fun. Come and join me in my cell. 
you're not affecting the other person. They're living in freedom. Well, you're screwing yourself over constantly. That's all you're doing. You're stupid. All right, then. <laughs> Be free of that. This is dumb. I can't believe they do this and they do that and they do this and they do that. All right, seriously. Enough of that crap. I mean, come on, man. You want freedom? Worry about the freedom that God's choosing you to have, not what he's speaking to someone else to have. Okay? You got to think of it differently. You know, I love the story. It was uh, Billy Graham's wife. And I can't remember her name. What was her name? Ruth, right? Yeah. And uh, she she has this phenomenal story. I love it. She had these blankets she would make. I, I don't care about the blanket. But she had these blankets she would make. And people would actually come door to door to her door because they knew it was a Ruth Graham blanket. Oh! And they would buy these blankets from her. And they're like, this is Ruth Graham, man. We, this is, she's going to give us a blanket. This is Billy Graham's wife. She's just going to donate it to us, you know, because I'm special or something. I don't know. And, and she would never give a discount to any family members, any, any of her kids, any you know, neighbors. Never gave a blanket away for free. Sold them all full price. Never went down on her price. Never once told people until later on in life why she did that. And, the whole, and, and she took flack from her church. She took flack from people. They thought Billy Graham was everything, but Ruth, she's just stingy. And what she never told anybody was 100% of all the profits went to widows and orphans. 100% of it. And so all they were doing, this is what I'm saying, people that were judging why she did what she did, they're being dumb. They don't realize what's happening. How many times do we do that every single day? Like, we don't know what that person's going through. You know, we don't, we don't understand what prison they're trying to escape from, what we're trying to escape from the prison at the same time. And we look down at it for whatever reason. I believe it comes down to the heart. It's a heart issue. How's your heart? How's your heart? In other words, what what is the motive of your heart? Now truth be told, my wife and I, we don't always see eye to eye. She's laughing. If you can't hear in the back row, she's laughing. She desperately wanted a pool this year. I mean, like, desperately wanted it. Her husband didn't. Didn't want it. I didn't want a pool. I, I, I saw the pain that she had to go through last year with this pool, and you can ask my wife about how she put the pool away last year and how that went for her. <laughs> I won't tell it from the pulpit. It didn't go well. And I saw her slave over this thing, and I'm like, this is like a mini god. Like, let's kill this stupid thing. And this year she's like, I want a pool, I want a pool, I want a pool, I don't want a pool. And, and then all of a sudden it's like, Chris, there's a free one on Craigslist, let's go get it. Okay, I love you, I hate this. And so you shut up as a husband, you get in the minivan with the trailer, and, and I drive to go get this stupid pool, and, and we get there, and it's, it's all together still, and we ask the lady, are there any holes in it? Oh, I don't know. Well, it's free on Craigslist. You always know it's perfect condition. And... Uh, <laughs> I'm so appreciative that you guys get my sarcasm. Thank you. I mean, that was a tough one to read. And so we put it in the, you know, in the trailer, bring it home. And the weather was bad. We had to wait before we put it up. We put up this wonderful, delightful pool. And uh, we get it all set up and we start putting water in it and the water goes right out. Right out. Well, then we, we realized it's, it wasn't, we had to wait for, we had to ask somebody and one of you in our church came out and was a blessing to us and put it together and, 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 and then we had to uh, buy a new pool liner and, and a few other things I don't remember, I don't even need to know, but and all of a sudden it started adding up and I'm like, this free pool on Craigslist costs a lot, you know? And, and then all of a sudden Heather got like, she was able to help somebody and, and made a couple extra bucks on the side and, and ended up like paying for, for the entire pool and I'm like, 
I'm just staying out of this. Like, God's got your back, okay? All this. But then, this is where it got me. Was last week, she, we had an old pool liner that she, because the frame last year, when she took it down the frame, something happened to the frame I won't talk about. It, you can ask her. And uh, we had this leftover pool liner that was really nice that somebody blessed us with last year. And so she puts it on Facebook, or, or Craigslist, and says, I'm going to get rid of it, and it'll sell for 50 bucks. lady comes out, and she goes, I don't think I want to take her money. I just want to give it to her. And I'm like, what are you doing? He'd sell that for 50 bucks. She's t- paying you 50 bucks. She's like, I just don't feel right about that. I need to pay it forward. I'm still mad at her decision for that. I'll be honest with you. But God's speaking to her and it's not for me to judge. So then I look like the stupid one because God's honoring and blessing her. I got to join the crowd. God's taking care of her. And so I need to look at that. And we have to honor what God is doing. And it's cool that God took care of that. It was just, it was awesome. And she's the most faithful person I've ever met in my entire life, man. She's super generous and giving. And, and I've just seen God bless that attitude. And it's inspired me to live my life differently. So let's look at just a few questions here in the remainder of our time that are really direct. And, and we're calling it hats and tats. So let's look at hats and tats this morning, okay? Um, so here's the first one. Are tattoos Okay. Well, you're already answering for me. Great. Give me, give me your biblical historical background on that, will you? Okay. Uh, so how many, just, just if you're brave enough or stupid enough, I don't care, uh, to raise your hand, how many of you have a tattoo? How many? Okay. So probably about half of us have a tattoo. All right. I don't. I never will because I don't like needles at all. And that's just me. Uh, you know, uh, I, I don't. Uh, but here's, here's what happens. And so now we're going to get into context. I'm going to take you on a little bit of a deeper journey this morning for a little bit. So stay with me. If you're new to church and all this, stay with me. If you have questions later, ask me. Okay? Don't ever go to a church where you can't ask a question. You can ask questions here. Questions are okay. Amen? Amen. Leviticus, everyone's favorite book, chapter 19, verse 28. It says, do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourself. Oh, uh uh-oh. Oh, cruddy crud. I got to go. I got to get that removed. Oh, no. Now, let's be real. This is how it reads, okay? Within the context of that scripture when it was written, didn't mean what it means today for you to go to some ink parlor and, and get a tattoo of, you know, Winnie the Pooh or something. It's just, that's not what it means, all right? Okay? If I got one, I would have like some big like serpent dragon on my back with like Jesus with like a cross just killing it or something. Like just my whole back, you know? Like, I don't know. What do you think of that? <laughs> You're judging me in your own jail right now. <laughs> it says nothing about today's tattoos. Nothing. The Bible doesn't say anything about them within context. Let's give you the context here of Leviticus 19. Because when somebody says, and I've had many of you actually called me, Pastor Chris, uh, and you get really embarrassed. I love it. You're like, thinking about going to one of those places, getting some ink done. I'm like, cool. You know, like, that's awesome. What are you getting done? Oh, it's going to be, you know, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And big cross on the other side. And Now, for those of you that are getting angels, if you know anything about me and you know my angelology... Get like a real angel, not these like pansy, creative, generational, you know, weird looking, like get an angel that looks like it could kill somebody, not get killed, okay? Like, let's have some angels, all right? You're going to get an angel. It says nothing about it though. This verse literally translated actually reads this within the Hebrew. It says, and a cutting for the dead you will not make in your flesh, and writing marks you will not make on you, I am the Lord. 
The word tattoo actually didn't even enter the English language until the late 18th century, late 1700s. The Canaanite culture, so right here where it's written, where we get this law, is because Israel is caught between Egypt's culture and Canaanite culture. And they were headed to Canaan. And what was happening is all of the people, well half the people, one part of the population in the Canaan culture, they were getting tattooed everywhere. All of the culture was cutting themselves to worship these false gods. And so God's like, don't associate with that because people are going to think you're like worshiping these false idols. That's what God was saying here. Now, the people that were being tattooed in this process, and you can do your own historical research too sometimes, is 100% female. All the females were getting these tattoos close to their their, uh, chest area, thighs area, other areas. And because it was in worship to the fertility goddess in Canaan. And so what God was saying is, don't associate that. And so we're going to put a law in place so you don't intermarry with them. You don't intermingle with them. And so that you look as a church set apart from the culture that is set apart from me. Okay? That's what it means. So is it right or wrong to get a tattoo? That's up to you and God. That's up to you and God. Okay? So, you have to ask God what you would do. For some of you, it is right to get a tattoo. For some of you, it's not. It's your motive and how God is speaking to you. Now, let's move on here. Now, some of you right now, this is going to be really challenging for you because of your culture. My generation and older, some of you right now are getting really nervous and tingly here. And here's why. Because your generation, your culture was a culture of respect and you think that's not respectful. You can't have that. What's happened is we haven't transitioned into the culture in which we are in now where we have to realize we're not called to be of the culture but in it. And so we have to understand culturally what's happening. So here's the next one. Are hats okay in church? Well, two years ago, uh, we had a few years ago, excuse me, two years into the church, we had somebody, first time was wearing a hat on stage. And then I had a family come to me, and I said, um, they said to me, man, I don't know if I can worship because that guy has a hat on his head. And, and I, here's my response to him, and, and genuine, genuinely respectful response was this. I said, then who's the weaker brother, him or you? Here's the deal. 20 years ago, you would never see that. I listened to some of the biggest worship bands in the world, Hillsong, Elevation, Jesus Culture, um, all of these ones. Most of, their, most of the people on the team are kids. They're wearing hats. They're tatted. You know David Wombelsdorf, who we support? You've seen his arms, man. Holy cow, they're incredible. By the way, he was not televised on uh, American Ninja Warrior, but he did make it to the finals, so he's going to the city finals. We did too. We stayed up and watched it. And then I saw his name at the end. So I texted him like, dude. He's like, I don't know how they edited it. I'm sorry, man. So I'll let you know when he's in the Vegas finals. Um, Let me just share from this perspective. Um, I'm okay with hats on stage. I want us to respect God with what we do. And, And it's become a cultural norm. Now, does that mean it's okay? Is it not okay? I think it's the wrong question. I'm going to ask what the right question is here in just a moment. But... A few years ago when I was a youth pastor, I was at a church and that gentleman walked in, some of you know the story, and, and he walked in with a hat. And even 10 years ago, hats in church, man, they were like, uh-uh, take off your hat. And he wore a hat and he sat in the back row, he was really quiet, and he, he kind of just melted in. He didn't want anybody to notice that he was there. And our ushers, our kind ushers, just as we have now, went up to him and said, sir, we'd like you to remove your hat. And it was a young kid and he said, he said you know, Mr. and Mrs. Usher, No. 
<laughs> and the ushers got ticked. And they're like, look, we are asking you to remove your hat because it's disrespectful to God, which you won't find in the Bible anywhere, by the way. And, and he said, he said, sir, ma'am, I don't remember who's the usher. He said, I am not removing my cap today because I'm respecting God. Now, if I was an usher and somebody told me that, I would just be like, okay, cool. But our usher team continued to go after him. And they said, sir, if you don't remove your hat, you're going to have to leave. So he removes his hat. Some of you know the story. He removes his hat. And here he has, he had ironed it on an ironing table with green dye, because he was a boarder, an entire mohawk that reached 12-inch spikes, about five different spikes that stood straight up when it came out of his hat. And the usher team asked him to put his hat back on. <laughs> Is there a little bit of hypocrisy there? Yep. Culturally, it was disrespectful for a man to wear a hat in a building years ago. That was our culture. That's no longer our culture anymore in Minnesota. That could even be different in the, in the South. And so you have to know your culture. Let's look at the Bible, what it says here. Because for some of you, this is a really tough message. Because you're wrapped up into these things that really don't matter. And I want to show you what does matter today. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 7. It says, A man ought to not cover his head since he is the image and glory of God. What? Some of you got glasses on right now, covering your bald spots. Some of you got hats on. No, I'm kidding. Some of you have, some of you are covering your head right now. Okay? Well, according to that scripture, if we just look at it for face value, it means you're dishonoring God. Well, I, we're going to unpack that in just a moment. Verse 14, just down a few verses, it says this. Does not the very nature of things teach you that if a man has long hair, it's a disgrace to him? So in other words, according to Paul here, in, in the church in Corinth, if you're wearing a hat or covering it off, you're a man, or if you have long hair, it's a disgrace. What do you do with that? You look at the historical context of the culture. If you don't look at that, you will misrepresent God's word. We can't do that. We don't have room for that. Okay? We have room for hats and tats in the church, but we don't have room for misunderstanding God's word, in my opinion. Can I hear a good amen? Come on, somebody. Here's why. Let me, let me explain. During this context, if you went to the church in Corinth, you know how it would look? You would have the women on one side, and you would have the men on the other side of the church. And so it even says, women, you shouldn't talk in church. If we're going to take it for face value. Mm-mm, you can't talk. And some of you are like, I know how much the women in our church talk. You would hate that, okay? And so you're over here. What would happen, though, historically, culturally, the women were not well-read. They, weren't, they were illiterate. And so they would yell over to their husband while the message was being given. Like, hey, what did he mean by that? What did he, and, and the pastor, finally, Paul was like, look, you guys got to shut up because they can't understand anymore. 2,000 years now later, we look at them and we go, oh, women can't talk in the church. It can only be leaders. Only men that are pastors. Only men that do this. Hogwash. Okay? No, we're misunderstanding the culture. During the same church in Corinth, during this time, what was happening is the women had long hair and the women were wearing head coverings. And so what would happen is if you were separated on the other side of the church and you had a head covering or you had like a hat or something or you had long hair as a man, you were basically stating that you were of the female gender. And it was disrespectful to God. He said, no, don't make sure you're not doing that in church. In fact, here's what's really interesting. Corinth, that church is the only place we read this scripture. It was about that church. We don't see Paul ever address it in Ephesus. We don't see Paul ever address it in, in Galatia. None of the other places are Rome. Why? Because it was a concern for the church in Corinth. And so we have to learn from the context in which this took place. Last one here is this. 
Our piercing's okay. All right, who's got a piercing? Who's got a piercing but you don't want us to know? No, all right, so, all right. Okay. I won't have a piercing ever. Not me, not my thing. I hate needles. And that's like, that's like a, that sucker's loaded when they shoot it in your ear and stuff. I've seen it, you know? How many of you like tried to ever give yourself a piercing in the ear? You've done it on your own. You are brave. <laughs> There's another word for brave too there, but I won't use it. Ezekiel 16:12. Now during this context, it was honoring to God. It said, and I put a ring on your nose and earrings in your ears and a beautiful crown on your head. It was displaying and setting them apart for God. So here's my question to you today. Whether it's an earring, holy jeans, whether it's, you know, a hat or a tat, whatever it might be, is it fashion for you or is it faith? Is it fashion or is it faith? Are you honoring your God through what you're doing? And that's what it comes down to for me. So let me give you things to remember here as I close in the next minute. Your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Are you honoring Him with your body? Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We as a church, we need to stop making these head issues heart issues. Right? Come on. Right? Okay? You with me? Alright? Okay? we got to be current with culture because if we're not, we're going to end up looking like the church that's got women on half and men on the other half and women not in leadership and all this junk and we're going to start looking legalistic. We, I refuse to be a legalistic church. We're going to be a God-honoring, preach-Jesus church. That's what it is, alright? You and I are called to be in the world, but not of the world. Okay? So that means we live out our faith without judging. We don't want to put somebody else in their own jail while we're trying to get out of ours. The question shouldn't be about tattoos, piercings, all of, you know, the hats. But the question should be this right here. This is the one I want you to hold on to, okay? This is the big one. God, is my heart right with the choice I'm making? God, is my heart right? Because you're going to hear people on both sides of the opposition all the time. You will. Do I have a relationship with Jesus? where I can discern and know if my heart is right. Don't leave today until you text that number and say yes to Jesus. Some of you need that freedom and you need that freedom today. Last scripture here, it says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by Alcatraz, by yoke of slavery. Get out of that jail. Experience the freedom has to offer you. God wants you to be free, not just for you, but so you can demonstrate freedom to others for Him. That's what it comes down to. Would you guys pray with me this morning? God, is what we're doing, whether it's piercing or tattoo or however we live our lives, is it honoring to you? Is our worship honoring to you? Is our message honoring to you? Is our livelihood honoring to you? Is our church honoring to you? Is my life honoring to you, God? Those are the questions we need to ask. And I pray right now, Lord, if there's anyone here that, that's afraid or, or is, is afraid to be themselves and how you've created them, that you would give them that freedom to step out of that prison, to step out of that Alcatraz, God. Allow them to see themselves through your identity. God, I pray today for those that have never said yes to you, that they would experience a relationship by accepting you today, Lord. By saying yes to you, or maybe it's committing to you again. God, if we've committed to you already, let's take that next step and get baptized and make a public declaration of an inward commitment towards you.
Lord, we love you. We thank you. I thank you for this church family. I thank you for the energy and the passion that we have to serve you. And I pray that we always realize there's room for more of us to join you and to do what you want us to. God, we love you. And I just pray that there's freedom today for people that need it. Freedom, God, for me that was holding on to the thing with the miscarriage. Somebody else needs that freedom today in this place. Would you give it to them? That's been their prayer for so long. Maybe they're here, maybe they're online, maybe they're listening to the podcast, wherever they're at. Give them the freedom that they so need. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.